else's telephone bill. Their private comments differed dramatically from what everyone in America had been hearing for a quarter century about the costs of telephone calls and, for the previous five or so years, about this wondrous new thing called the Internet. The promise of cheap and abundant telecommunication service to be available almost anywhere was becoming a major theme in telecommunications industry marketing. But that was not at all what the telephone guys said in private while meeting with Leipzig. They said their corporate strategy was that, within a few years, AT&T wanted to draw at least $100 a month from each client household, Leipzig recalled. They would do this with phone service, and also things they were not offering at the time, or had not expanded as much, mobile, internet, and cable. As your monthly phone bill probably tells you, this is exactly what has happened. At the time, Adam Leipzig's home phone bill ran $35 a month. A decade later, the total amount due AT&T every month was more than $200, even though he buys his cable television service from another company. What the marketing executives had forecast had indeed come to pass. The Rise of Falling Prices since 1974, politicians, pundits, and professional economists all have said that, thanks to competition, the cost of telephone service would fall. The Justice Department sued that year to break up the American Telephone and Telegraph Company, saying Ma Bell's monopoly hindered new technologies and shouldered aside competitors who wanted in on the lucrative business of long-distance calls. Back then, calls were so expensive that many people kept little sand dials by their telephones when calling loved ones long distance, so as not to go a second too long saying goodbye and be charged for another full minute. Eventually, the antitrust case was settled by negotiation, and in 1984, Ma Bell spun off seven regional telephone monopolies, known as the Baby Bells. AT&T kept the lucrative long distance business, but even before the breakup, Another monopoly business, a railroad, found a way to compete in long-distance calling. Southern Pacific Railroad began offering limited long-distance service in 1972. SP Microwave Towers, which kept the trains running on time, sent signals along the narrow rights-of-way that the federal government had given the railroad in the 19th century. These towers had the capacity to handle calls, too, and by 1978, SP was providing a cheap long-distance system connecting business customers in Los Angeles, San Diego, and Anaheim, California, with those in three East Coast cities, Boston, New York, and Philadelphia. Southern Pacific Communications would eventually evolve in today's Sprint Nextel. But by the 1990s, a number of competing systems were being served by a growing network of glass fibers buried alongside the tracks. These braided glass strands, each thinner than a human hair, held vastly more capacity than the microwave system, which in turn was far more powerful than the old copper wires used to make the first commercial telephone call in 1878, and still in use today in most homes and small businesses. In the last decade of the 20th century, the whole country buzzed with talk of a new information superhighway that would connect everyone in America. The oft-expressed expectation was that, thanks to competition, prices would fall lower and lower. Some published studies even showed that the cost of long-distance calling would fall more than 
which was not exactly good news for AT&T as a dedicated long-distance company, nor for its nascent competitors. In Washington, awestruck lawmakers marveled at the idea that every word and image in all 22 million books in the Library of Congress could be sent in the blink of an eye to any place connected by the new fiber-optic cables. Across the country from our friend Adam Leipzig, Bruce Kushnick in Brooklyn, New York, had his own epiphany. Visiting an aging aunt, Kushnick discovered twenty years' worth of monthly telephone bills. Kushnick worked as a telephone industry consultant, paid to extol the virtues of the coming new era of digital communications. Kushnick knew a research gold mine when he saw one, and he set to work. When he cross-checked his aunt's telephone bills over the years, he could hardly believe the numbers. His aunt paid $9.51 for her local phone service in 1984. By 2003, her bill had swollen fourfold to $38.90. In the two decades since the breakup of the AT&T monopoly, even after adjusting for inflation, his aunt's telephone cost $2.30 for each dollar paid in 1984. And that was without any charges for long-distance calls.